When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast, and we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division Three coaches, some great high school football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. So please contribute to the show as much as you can. Our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football, and this is really for you to be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan, something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash FDM. On today's podcast, we focus on defensive procedures and now how the defense is kind of caught up to these up-tempo offenses who for a while had the upper hand with procedures. We're starting to see what offenses are doing being adopted on the defensive side of the ball. And to join me to talk about this topic today is the head football coach at Pine Richland High School in Pennsylvania, Eric Kasparovich. Coach, it's great to have you here. Thanks, Keith. Appreciate you having me back on in, in these crazy times. But, you know, as I, as I know a lot of people are doing, you know, definitely some, you know, time to learn a little bit of football, dive in. And, you know, this is one of the best ways to do it on your podcast. So, pleasure to be on. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm trying to think the, the last time we saw each other in person might have been in Orlando in the beginning of 2019. Yeah, down at the clinic, the USA football clinic. I think we, we, we're down there together, and I actually saw you from afar this past year in, in Louisville. Didn't get a chance to come say hello. You were over there working, but they moved it up that way, as you know. And so, but I was down there working a little bit too, so it was good. But 
So it was a little bit closer, but I, I definitely prefer Orlando and the weather <laughs> for the clinic, but I'm not sure what they're going to do in the future. Yeah, yeah. Well, we did see each other up here. You were up here last summer for a baseball tournament. I stopped out to see you guys. Good old summer baseball. Hopefully we get into that this year. Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting for it to start. So, well, we'll get into today's topic. And, you know, it, it's kind of fun to watch what goes on in off-season studies. And some of this has picked up, of course, last year over the last couple of years where, you know, defenses wanted to catch up with the offenses procedurally. So whether that's finding ways to not be forced into vanilla checks because the offense is playing fast, right? So the way you're communicating and getting things in fast to doing things on your, your own and being able to, you know, in a sense, and it's something we're going to get into to, to automate what you guys are doing on defense so that you're not knocked out of a blitz or a movement or a stunt or even a coverage. Yeah. And, you know, being an ex offensive guy, I was an offensive guy my whole career up until a few years ago, I switched over to defense, but yeah, I mean, offenses have such an advantage in football, right? They, they especially as of late with all the, the tempo and the, the RPOs and, you know, if you're going to go here, we're going to throw there. If you're going to line up this way, we're going to, you know, run this way. And they always seem to have the chalk last and, you know, being on the defensive side now, and, you know, obviously I didn't come up with, with this. This is just, you know, collaborating with friends and, and coaches at the collegiate level and other, other high schools talking with, you know, just best practices like we all do. We're, we're trying to get gain the advantage back. Yeah, so there's a few things that we're looking at this offseason. We, we dabbled with a little bit last year, but we're definitely going to move into more to try to, to keep the offense on their toes. And I'm a big follower of, you know, Don Brown in Michigan, and he's obviously a, a storied defensive coordinator. And his, his whole deal is built on, built on pressure, you know. So t- taking it to the offense, you know. So we really try to hang our hat on that, being aggressive in what we do, you know, ultimately. But as far as the, the looks we're giving, so for instance, you know, an offense, they're going to, uh, you know, try to just start with the, the front, the defensive front. They're always going to look, we're, we're an even front. So, you know, we, you have a three technique, you have a shade, and a lot of offenses are built to, they want to run certain plays to the three or certain plays to the shade, right? You know, you know, again, that's a whole argument in itself, but we'll just say that, you know, they're looking, looking to run inside zone to the shade. Well, back, you know, in the old, old old days or, you know, a few years ago, you know, defenses really didn't have the ability unless they were doing some of this movement. They would sit there and they would check with me. They'd look up to the box and they'd look down and say, all right, let's run inside zone to the left. And they got what they want. And if, from a defensive perspective, past years, we've done a lot of post-snap movement. So, and I, I know that's nothing new per se, but a lot of post where we'd show, you know, the, the three to, to one side. And then once the back, we would stem post snap so it becomes uh, you know a, a post snap slant or stem which then ultimately gets us into the, the better situation in that in that look the other thing that we're also doing is some pre-snap stemming and again i know this is fad you know the big thing you know years ago and then it kind of fell fell to the side you haven't seen a lot of teams doing a lot of pre-snap stemming right and i think a lot of that's because of the offenses with the tempo and, and the hurry up offense and they don't have time to get the call in like you said Keith, at the beginning they want to get us vanilla. So a lot of things we're going to bring back. And again, it's not just us. I'm talking to a lot of schools are going to be doing it, but some pre-snap stemming and almost day one, Keith, and, and this is, you know, we'd be getting into spring ball here in about another month. So pray to God that we, we do get some semblance of spring football sometime, maybe in the summer. But, you know, when we install, just say our base over front, we're going to get to the point that we're talking about now that 
no matter what, every time we come out and over front, we're going to line up in our Oki front or our under front, whatever you want it to be, you know, and, and that's how they learn it. So we come up to the ball. It doesn't matter if the team's huddling, if they're, if they're tempo, they're going to line up in the, say it's the under front. And then based on the indicator given, you know, by us coaches, based on that team, you know, some teams it might be the clap, some teams it might be, you know, they put the hand between their legs. Some teams it'll be a verbal, you know, maybe down, set, hut, maybe it's on set is the is the indicator. And then we'll stem into our base over front or whatever front we want to be in. So that's something that I think is going to be a nice advantage for us to whereas pretty much every snap of the game, you know, there'll be parameters, there'll be rules. We only want to do it in certain fronts, but we're going to stem, you know, almost every time we're in that certain look that we want to be in. And hopefully that'll, you know, again, that, that's how we're going to teach it to the kids, you know? So when they know we're in over, well, coach, since, since day one, we installed it, we're going to start in under, you know, we're going to stem to over, you know, pre-snap. And then if we want to build in a post-snap stem off that or a slant or anything, you know, now obviously if you're going to bring, you know, pressure or something like that, maybe you don't do it, but just on a base, you know, call, we're able to do that. So that's something that, that I think is, pretty neat. And, and again, it's a good way to kind of keep those offensive gurus that are sitting up there in their confines of their, of their, you know, heated box, uh, waiting to see how you line. And then all of a sudden crap, it changes. And now, now they're stuck, stuck kind of guessing again. With looking at that coach and just to clarify, that's not an all the time thing. That's something you're going to be able to, to, to mix in and change up. And sometimes you're going to stem, sometimes you're not. Yeah, I, I, so the pre-snap stem, I, the, what I'm thinking about now is it's only going to happen in one of our fronts. So it's got to be, if we go on and play base defense, our base, we, we play base, we play an over front, we just call it base over. So if we play base over, we're going we're gonna to start and under and stem to over every single time. That, that's kind of what we're playing now. Now, if you go back and look at the studies, and I was looking at it yesterday, we, we ran 540 snaps last year of defense in 12 games. Of those 540 that we just played base over without any type of, you know, that, that doesn't include five-man pressure, six-man pressures, any defensive line stunts, games, movements, any of that was only about 130 or 140 times. So it's not that much when it's all said and done, but that's kind of my plan right now. And then obviously if there's any type of, you know, anything going on, we don't want to make, we don't want to complicate it for them, but I think that's just an easy way to create some movement. You know, I think Navy did it a lot this year. That, that's one of the guys, my old receiver, Mickey Akitis, I think he was on your show one time a while back. He played receiver for me. He's the receiver coach down there, but he got me in touch with their defense coordinator. They do a lot of the pre-snap stem, and they were tremendous on defense this past year. So that's one of the guys that I'm kind of studying studying a little bit. Yeah, I think with everything you look at procedurally, whether that's, you know, you've heard a lot of the, the tempo teams now. There's still the guys who just go 100 miles an hour almost all the time. But, you know, you become more effective when you have those change up and the ability that, you know, you keep the offense on its toes by changing things up that it's not oh well every time this guy lines up here he's going to end up here so we're just going to treat it that way that in and of itself now making them think I mean it's the same thing I want to do on, on offense right I, I want I want to shift or move or do something like that to to make your guys communicate and have to uh, recognize communicate and adjust right those three things the three opportunities to do wrong and now you're flipping that back on the offense no, hundred percent. That that's, you know, even even to the next extent of that, you know, with the RPOs. So we're going to dabble with that, and you know, throughout the course of a game, 
we're going to be in base defense maybe a third of the game. The other third, we might be bringing, you know, six-man pressure playing our hot coverage. And the other third, maybe it's just a simple defensive line, stunt, twist, movement. Maybe it's a five-man pressure, whatever. So right there, there's kind of a, a third of the game where we're going to be moving, a third of the game maybe post-snap moving, and then a third of the game maybe we're pressuring. So I, I think that's a good mix-up there. But then the next aspect, which, again, seems kind of simple, but it, it, it is 100, 1 billion percent what these offensive guys are looking for is that field backer. You know, he's kind of, we're a 4-3, which basically is a 4-2-5. It's kind of what we've evolved to, depending on the team you're playing. But that, that field backer, we call him a Falcon. Um, a lot of people call him a nickel or a star. That's a guy that we're giving some, some, a lot of uh, leniency to in his alignment, right? Because as an offensive guy, and Keith, you know this as good as anybody, you look out there and, you know, day one, you know, if it's a, you know, an RPO team, not even a crazy exotic post-snap RPO team, a lot of these teams are just going to throw, you know, pre-snap, you know, based on leverage or based on, you know, is the corner off, is he up based on, well, hey, we got three over there, three on three, we like that, you know, numbers, grass, all that stuff you hear. So we're going to teach that guy very similar to the defensive line. And again, I don't want it to be in my hand, Keith. I don't want it to be every single, all right, a second and eight. I got to make the call. So a lot of this stuff, and we'll get into it in a minute, is we're going to automate it. And I'd say probably 85% of the calls throughout the course of a game I made last year, I didn't make because they're automated. First down, second down, unless there was something crazy going on, it was built in to where our Mike linebacker, our linebacking core, whoever's in charge of your defense, is taught based on formation. We're really, really big on formation recognition. I really don't care about down and distance as much. It's all formation-based. You know, where's the back? Is the back up? Is he back? Is it gun strong? Is it gun weak? Where's the sniffer? You know, all that stuff. Offenses do things on purpose. So it's up to us as defensive guys to study that and come up with a plan. But my point is my, my linebackers are going to know well, if they're in gun weak where the backs are stacked, we want to be, you know, maybe want to slant to the, to the sniffer, to the fullback, to the H-back, whatever you call them. Maybe if they're gun strong and the backs are on opposite sides, you know, maybe we want to do this. You know, if, if it's a level one back, level two back, level three back, and we, we talk about where's the running back in relation to the quarterback. Is he behind him? All right, well, offenses do very specific things. Is he next to the quarterback? Is he in front of him? You know, so there's very specific checks. You, you know, last year we played at Heinz Field in the championship, and the team we played, when they were in pistol, they ran the ball. And when, when they were in sidecar, well, they, they threw the ball. And we had a very specific well, we didn't make a call. We told our corners, and they knew that. So when they saw it was pistol, well, we were a press defense, so our guys would press. But when they, the running back moved to the sidecar, you know, we were able to press bail and, and stay on top of them because we knew they were throwing the ball and most likely it was going to be some sort of fade or play action there. So some things like that. But back to my original point about the, the Falcon, that field guy, we, we allow him to move around, and we tell him very specifically, he, wants to, we, he, he needs to take that away pre-snap because a lot of these teams are going to look out there and see – based on, you know, leverage and alignment, where's that guy at? Are we going to throw the RPO? Are we going to throw the uncovered bubble? Are we going to throw the sticker out there? So that guy's really, really cognizant. Every single play, uh, we kind of give him a box. You know, if you picture a box out there, picture an apex alignment between, say, the number two receiver and the, the tackle. He's got a kind of four spots there that he can kind of move around with and play with each and every snap. Ultimately, when the play's about the snap, he's got to get in position to, you know, do his job. But always just, again, trying to keep that quarterback, you know, or that OC in the box on his toes. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. And, you know, I can think of 
I help out our, our local team here, uh, mostly on the weekends, just breaking down film. But on game day, I'll stand on the sidelines, mostly because I prefer that than sit in the stands. But, you know, every now and then I'll pick up on something. And, you know, I, I like to listen to and watch what's going on procedurally with the other team. And, you know, I could tell specifically that they were they were checking our safety alignment to make their calls. And so it became then in the second half. And I told the defensive coordinator at halftime, I said, hey, I think they're checking everything to your, your coverage structure, whether you're too high or one high. We started, you know, post-snap changing up our alignments, not doing it every down because, again, then they can settle in on, well, hey, now they're just, they know what we're doing, so here's how we'll check it. And it, it caused confusion for the offense. It got them out of their rhythm it made them think, right? When we all talk about, hey, we want our players to play fast. The more you force the other guys, the other players, those 16, 17, 18-year-olds to think, you know, that that's where the advantage starts to come. Yeah, and I think that's come full circle. I mean, if you think back, I remember back in 2014, we installed, this is back when I was calling the offense, we installed the kind of the, the no huddle, we were as fast as fast could be, and Keith, to be honest, we had one speed. It was full speed all the time. Now, it ended up being a third and long. I, you know, we'd, we'd do the look tempo and get into a play we wanted to be. But other than that, it was full speed. And back then, we caught everybody off guard because tempo was new. Nobody knew about it. And then 15 came along, 16. 2017, we played in the state championship and won the state championship. But even, even that year, we got to be where, you know, I've heard people say on your podcast before numerous times, too much of anything is not a good thing. So going fast all the time isn't isn't an advantage. You know, people get used to it. You know, so kind of turn that back on the defense now. I think it's the same thing. You cannot, you know, you know, we talk about simplicity. I'm a huge believer in simplicity. Our program's based on being simple and playing fast, right? But under the same pretense, yeah, we want to be simple in what we do, but we got to disguise it. I can't sit in the base four three over defense. 68 snaps in a high school football game without understanding that the offense coordinator or the other team is going to figure something out. The players on the other side are going to figure something out, regardless of the talent. They're going to get used to it, right? So the more we can give them, present different pictures, the more we can present pre-snap movement, post-snap movement, pre-snap alignment. I mean, the more we can do that, now it's evening the playing field out, I think, quite a bit to where the offense has had it for for the past year or two. Yeah, definitely. Now, in, in terms of those those teams that look right. It, um, I was doing this man back around 2010, new offense, new quarterback, a lot of young guys. We were doing a lot of that. We get up to the ball, Faust came, look over the sideline, change the play. Now I kind of procedurally had it already anticipated for teams checking when we checked, but it took a full year and a half till anybody did that to us. So before we dusted off those pr- different procedures, I know the defense has become a lot more comfortable in when the offense checks, they check. Now, is, is that something, again, that you want to automate as far as your guys being able to make that check? Or do they look to you when the offense checks something, you know, looks to their sideline? Yeah, so it depends, you know, because then you run into them faking the check and running the play, right? We haven't seen that yet, but you see that's kind of hitting the college circuit now. So yeah, sure. Bama <laughs> did it to LSU and, and Ohio yep. State did it, I think, in the playoff game yeah to Clemson yeah so I'm sure I'm sure that'll hit the the high school circuit here soon but yeah we have the ability so we have 
our base defense is one signal. So I, I do one thing and that's our base defense. So I can get into that anytime I want. And then we have other, one other call that I have one base call. I just tap my head, whatever it is. And they know to jump into this certain pressure or this movement, whatever it is. So we have basically two calls that I could do that at any time for in that situation. And we'll, we'll change that second one weekly based on who the opponent is. But back to your original point, say it's, you know, say it's 11 personnel or 20 personnel with the, you know, the, the Y off formation, say it's a gun strong to the two receivers and the Y is to the two receiver side. So it's like a three by one, you know, stacked backs set. So they come out and in, in that formation have, you know, a certain call on automated, you know, again, based on game plan, based on what the team does. And if they go through their look cadence and they take the cadence and look to the sideline and now all of a sudden that fullback would go to the other side. Well, if I don't signal in one of our, our, our um, one, one call signals, then my mic would then just do our normal automated call. Maybe if the fullback was on the other side now, we're going to bring, like I said, a, we're going to slant towards him or we're going to slant away from him or whatever our call was for that set. So he has the ability to do that. And that's very, very easily done because, you know, he's been studying it all week. And that's probably one of the, be, I'll be honest, one of the best things I did because, you know, you know, as a play caller, it doesn't matter if you're calling the offense or defense, always having, having that pressure of having to make the right call. You know, it, it kind of goes back to offense. If you're, if you're feeling yourself in, in the, you know, end of the third quarter, fourth quarter on third and eight, you know, sweating to make this perfect call. Well, you didn't do your homework throughout the week, right? I want to, I want to, I want to have that on my call sheet. If it's third and eight as an offensive guy, well, heck, I'm going to call one of these two plays, and I feel good. If it doesn't work, well, then, you know, it didn't. And then so be it, right? You know, I, I did all my homework Monday through Thursday, so that it's built in, so my linebackers know whoever's calling my defense that if they come out in this set, we want to do this certain thing, and I, I trust it, or at least I can sleep at night that I'm going to be okay with with the result versus me just coming up with some random, you know, feel, um, you know, call. And, you know, we all been there, right? You, you know, you, you get in the heat of the game and, and you just go off, go off your script a little bit and make some calls. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But I don't think you want to get in the habit of that, doing that, you know, too, too often. I, you know, like I said, I'd rather, I'd rather live and die by the calls that myself and my staff spent hours on Monday through, you know, Thursday developing yeah uh you know again procedurally um you mentioned the one word call right something the offense has adopted what's interesting to me is i was introduced to the one word call probably somewhere in the late 90s on the defensive side our defensive coordinator was at amherst steel high school don richardson had learned the the stunt 4-3 defense from george perlis directly he'd go and spend you know, summers up at Michigan State, and I mean, George brought it over from when he was at the Pittsburgh Steelers, where they invented that defense. You know, the Iron Curtain, right? The stunt four three. So we had a lot of calls that we would get pieced together, and um, you know, against a particular opponent, he might like you know a series of movements. So it might, you know, the the whole call would be tilt gap, ram blast, shark cover three, and. And he would just that week say, hey, here's what it is. You guys know all this, but we're just going to call it, you know, pirate this week or whatever, you know, whatever that usually was, he'd use it against the mascot we were playing. And, you know, so that became the, that was the introduction of one word calls for me. It was on the defensive side of the ball. How are you guys teaching that? Are you installing it as a one word or, you know, as Noel 
Nola Mazzoni would say, we, we give them the whole menu at first and then we give them the, the value meal order. Hey, I want a number one, you know? So what's your approach with that? Yeah, exactly. Like uh, Noel does it, you know, we, we teach everything, we put it all together and then down the road, we'll say, Hey, you know, that, you know, right twist 45 saw, well, that's known as Lucy or, or whatever the word is. But, um, yeah, so basically what we do, our, our front is, you know, we're, we're I'd say 75% in, in an over front or in a, in a forefront, even front. So our front is divorced from our, our you know, coverage, which is, which is a good thing. So unless I do something, we're automated. We're always going to be in that even front. So that's easy. So as far as our, um, and this isn't anything new, this is what just about everybody does, but, you know, our blitzes are, are categorized, you know, so say our hot coverage. Well, all of our hot blitzes are hot words, right? So think melt, right? Think burn, think stuff like that. So burn would be our boundary hot pressure. And, and that way, all we say is burn. They know burn's coming from the boundary. It's a hot word. So we're playing hot coverage behind it. So that's kind of how we build it all together. And I used to kind of, I, I kind of steal my philosophy, my thought process there from, from on offense. Cause that's kind of how we build build our stuff on offense. It's the same, same thing. You make categories, make classifications and you put them together, you know? So um, that, that's how we do it. And all of our stuff and kind of, again, back to the having the chalk last and Cody Alexander is a good friend of mine. I met down in Orlando a couple of years ago and we talked quite a bit defensively um, who I, I know you got to meet as well, but he's a big believer in blitz in the formation. And that's kind of, we're a field and boundary defense. So I can blitz the formation. And like you said, you know, based on your movement, based on your shift, if you come out in a different um, formation than I thought, we're still going to be able to keep our blitz on if we like, because we're blitzing the formation. You know, if I call a field, field pressure, um, call that one word call and they come out, well, we're still going to be able to keep it on, even if you come out in a, a different block. So. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, we had an interesting conversation with Nick, Davis, who's the defensive coordinator at Rolls Holman, and within his system, they they basically can call things based on strength with tight end, back set, and I, what's the other? One? I think he did have field and boundary, so you know he wasn't he wasn't married to one. He had some flexibility in how he could do things, which I thought is you know, and again, the way he's doing it, he's trying to keep it simple, learnable for his players, and you know that's that's a key to being able to match, you know, the speed of an offense with their tempo or their procedures is that everything needs to go in quick. Exactly. We have the same exact thing. So just say America's that's right. That's kind of our hot, our hot pressure. You know, it's a three deep, two under stuff that Michigan state and Pitt made so famous. We can bring it. And it all depends on the week. It all depends on the opponent. It depends on what they want to do, where we want to bring pressure from, but we can blitz field boundary. We could blitz stronger weak, right? So we, I could just say weak hot, and we have a word for that. And, you know, but again, how we teach it, we, we want to come from the weak side of the formation and we're going to bring our hot pressure. So they know they come out in the formation, say it's just old school pro formation to the field. Well, we're going to come from the weak side. If they come out in pro formation into the boundary, so say formation of the boundary pro, well, we're going to come from the field now, you know, because it's the weak side of the formation. And then the one that we probably do the most, Keith, to be honest, is, to the back and opposite the back or to the back and we call it opposite, but away from the back, you know, cause there's a lot of things based on what offenses do 
where they put that back, you know, especially if it's a level one back, a level two back, like I talked about at the beginning. You know, so we, we do a, do a, probably that's probably the most prevalent way we call our, our hot pressures is, is where the back is lined up. Well, Eric, in, in tying this up, you know, and looking at this whole topic overall of, again, being an up-tempo defense, what would you say is, is key to giving your team the winning edge as you install all these new types of things? Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is the preparation. You know, you gotta put you got to put in the legwork, you know, for us Sunday through, you know, really by Tuesday, you know, the game plan's completely done, you know, based on the formations, maybe their top three, four, five formations that they run. As a defense coordinator, I want to take away what they do best. So whatever those formations are, if they're, they're going to ruck them out in two by two and run inside zone, well, guess what? That week they're not going to be able to do that because I'm going to make sure we take that away. So to that end, I want to make sure that we have calls built in throughout the week that I teach whoever's calling my defense to get us into them. So I'm not, again, with these tempo teams, I'm not standing on the sideline like a, like a maniac trying to signal in the call as they're going fast, whereas I'm going to teach my linebacker, my Mike linebacker, whoever's, like I said, making your calls, exactly what we want to get into based on the looks they're in. And it sounds difficult, but it's not, because at the end of the day, normally, just say a big, big game week for us, there might be four to five automated calls just because of all the formations. There's only so much they can line up in there that they do line up in. So there's really only four or five that that linebacker's got to learn to get us into. And like I said, the other third, we're going to be bringing pressures. And in the other third, we might be doing some movements anyway, regardless of what they come out in, you know, because that, that would override everything. But I think the more you can do that, the more you can move and, and kind of keep the offense guessing, I think the more success you can have have on defense, you know, to this face an offense, you know, they have the advantage in, in most areas. So we got to do what we can to try to, to get that pen back last. Coach, real quick, if you would just share your contact information, your Twitter for coaches out there. Yeah, Twitter's at Coach Casper. That's Coach K-A-S-P-E-R. And again, Pinerson High School in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Love talking ball, very involved with uh, USA football and love, love talking to guys, learning new things. So look forward to uh, hearing from any of you. Coach, as always, great to talk ball with you. Hopefully things get moving here quick and would love to run into you during summer ball. I'm looking forward to having some baseball in my life here. Heck yeah. Hopefully we'll be back together soon. Uh, Pleasure being on the show again, Keith, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Coaches, again, want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Check it out. All of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week. Thanks for listening to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast. For more resources, visit the Coach Performance Center at usafootball.com.